Hello, and welcome to the Hidden Archives. I'm your host for the evening, Nicole Clark. We are very excited to announce that, since the last episode, we have reached a major milestone. The Hidden Archives now has over 100,000 downloads. This is very exciting for us, as we could only ever hope and dream about such a thing. I know Philip is absolutely thrilled, and we are both blown away with your support. For an operation as small as the Hidden Archives, this really means a lot to us. Please be sure to follow, message, like, and rate us wherever you find our podcast. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hidden Archives Podcast, and on Twitter at Podcast Hidden. Any well-read person would probably be familiar with the works of Herman Melville. It is with this understanding that we seek his wisdom this week. Human madness is oftentimes a cunning and most feline thing. When you think it fled, it may have but become transfigured into some still subtler form. So you would be cunning to listen to the following warning, lest the madness overtake you. If you choose to enter the hidden archives, if you choose to study the tomes, if you choose to take this journey with me, you do so at your own risk. Profanity and disturbing content will follow. This is your warning. It has been said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But who determines the quality of anyone's intentions? Is it purely for us to figure out for ourselves? Or do the manifestations of intentions define whether they were good or bad? In tonight's story, which is related to an earlier story of ours titled Gather the Pieces, Dr. Casey Edwards gets a chance to explain his intentions. So let's be open-minded while we listen to him explain why I won't go back to the other side. My name is Dr. Casey Edwards, but I fear my reputation precedes me. This is due to some, well, unfortunate circumstances regarding my current, um, existence. In case you don't quite remember, and in an effort to explain myself and to save face a little bit, I should provide some context to remind you. Some time ago, I decided to make the altruistic choice to donate my body to science and medicine. Don't ask how I finagled the legal system to allow the, uh, well, specifics, but I was able to have every one of my organs, all of my bodily tissues, donated to those in need at the time of my death. You see, my plan was to give more time to those whose time had run out. I had the best of intentions. It's exactly what I would want, uh, assuming the roles were reversed. It's the golden rule. Do unto others and so on. So, could I really be that bad? I don't think anyone here would make such an untrue statement. Of course, I... I have been talking in the past tense. I have already done this. But no, this isn't something I wanted to be read or played after my own unfortunate demise. Again, I already donated my mortal coil. People received all of my tissues, organs, bones, etc. 
and yet, here I stand. Truly a miracle, correct? Not quite. It's simple science. But for those less intellectually inclined, let me thus explain the process of my rebirth, of my renaissance. The idea of the process itself is quite simple. The human body has an incredible ability to heal. A severed limb, for example, may be reattached. The brain can rewire itself after a traumatic injury. Arteries can constrict to prevent blood loss when they've been opened. It's really incredible what some people have come back from, you know? Of course, the process is never perfect. For millennia, people have searched for ways to enhance the healing process. I could cite about a million and one different advances in modern medicine. Though this isn't really my field of expertise. What I really want to highlight is what our ancestors did to advance medicine. They found herbs with uh, magical properties, some of which have been studied and are still used to this very day. Ever taken an antibiotic to stave off an infection? Well, many of those come from mold or fungi. And painkillers. Many of those come from a little flower called nopium poppy. Tell me there isn't magic in these sciences. Our ancestors knew some shit. But they didn't know everything. Neither do modern doctors. But I do. Well, I suppose I shouldn't exaggerate. I, I, I don't know everything. I just know too much. Of course, now, not only do I come off as holier than thou, but also like some know-it-all. Perhaps I've done this so that you have reason to dislike me. I don't need your validation, however. I just want you to form an informed opinion of me. And if you're going to dislike me, I want you to do that for the right reasons. I don't want your opinion of me to be based completely on the fact that I somehow mind-controlled people from beyond my own grave to assemble themselves and then disassemble themselves, throwing their body parts into a swirling pool of blood where I magically was reconstructed. Most of these body parts were mine to begin with. I, without thought as to how my remains might be used, let these strangers borrow them for a time and in so doing, extended their lives and enhanced the quality thereof. Don't act like given my knowledge and skill set, you wouldn't do the same thing. In fact, on that note, I will once again go out of my way to share, to share with you the process I used to accomplish my goal. A few of you may even learn to replicate this skill though I feel confident that not everyone will. But if you choose to proceed, you must have the right motives. I'm not telling you this so that you might live forever. I mean, if everyone knew this, the world would be a chaotic mess of zombies that spontaneously disassemble and reassemble themselves into ghosts of who they once were. And the fact of the matter is, 
there's just not enough blood to accomplish that. But I'll get to the blood part in just a little bit. Motives first, keep on track. I figured out this process because I have been to the other side. When I was in college, I died. For just six short minutes, sure. But I was medically declared dead following an unfortunate incident involving a driver of a delivery truck who missed a red light on a street I was crossing. Long story short, I was hit by said truck, tossed 30 feet or so, and the next thing I remember following the incident was waking up in a hospital several weeks later. Apparently, as I was told, when I got hit by the truck, my injuries were severe enough that medical personnel lost me for six minutes in the ambulance, but they were able to revive me. I then spent the next four weeks in a medically induced coma. Now, I don't remember much about the coma part or being hit by the truck, but I do remember something that felt like an eternity to me, but was apparently only six short minutes. I remember the other side. What I remember of the uh, afterlife is a scene to which the word hell does no justice. It was a place, uh, a place of darkness and screaming, where the ground was paved in human flesh and blood rained from the sky. I, I won't go into further details because it's just something that I... Not only can I not comprehend, I don't want to comprehend. I fear, had I spent enough time there, I would have become one with that landscape, but fully sentient, fully aware, for all of eternity. I know most people would have used this as a wake-up call. They might uh, find religion or make promises to God or whatever, but not me. After what I saw, and you don't even know the half of it, I concluded that there was no God. I also came to several other conclusions. First, that I have no business returning to the other side. Second, that if I could do anything to prolong my life and anyone else's on this miserable planet, I would. And third, after I had completely healed, I concluded that the human body really does have an amazing ability to do just that. After all, if that's what awaits us on the other side, no wonder the body can come back from so much. I just needed to find a way to enhance this process, to perfect it for myself. But I found that not all the answers could be found in modern science. Some of the answers came from the past. Some came from other realms. Obviously, I had concluded, nay, proven, that other realms exist. But how could I access their knowledge? That's when it struck me. I didn't have to access it, I had to have access to it. After all, you don't need to know brain surgery to benefit from it. 
You just let the professionals do the work for you. I would let the beings of these other realms, these uh, cosmic emergency room professionals, guide the work. But when the time came, I would need to let them know. But how? And let them know to do what, exactly? Well, this baffled me. I couldn't figure it out for the literal life of me. But the answer was right there. I wanted, no, needed the help of others, right? Others in different realms? But what about others in this realm? Yes! This was the answer! I reasoned that if I ever became gravely injured or infirmed again, I could use other people to heal me. But not by working on me, but by working on themselves. If my tissues were given to other people upon my bodily death, then these tissues would not only live on, but they would heal in amazing ways. Even the aging process could be reversed if given to candidates younger than myself, as their cells would eventually replace my own in the region of transplant. Well, that solved one problem, but I would still be sent to the afterlife, right? To the other side? Well, only if I was actually dead. So at the end, they would take my less vital organs first. My eyes go to that person, some of my skin is grafted onto this person, a hand here, a kidney there. Look, no one feels a thing after a haircut. You can lose some bits and pieces and still be alive, still be you. But the vital stuff would have to wait. My heart couldn't go until the very end. And what about my brain? Simple. Keep blood flowing through it. And study it if you'd like. Just don't slice it up. Hell, they could even try a head or a brain transplant for all the fucks I gave. So I'd figured out how to keep my uh, body going. Great. This is a band-aid at best. How do I get myself back, though? Well, I had to do just that. I had to find some way to reassemble my pieces after the healing process had taken place after many other individuals had paused their own journey to the other side. This is where science had the answer. I could essentially encode my pieces to want to reassemble. It's basically what an addict goes through. You can train your body to need certain chemicals, be those foreign chemicals as might occur in drugs or alcohol, or be those chemicals that originate in your own body, like adrenaline for a thrill junkie. That may be oversimplifying, come to think of it. To put it a bit differently, to explain the actual process somewhat, I developed an enzyme that would, over time, saturate every cell of my body. Of course, to make this work, I had to dose myself. Just a little bit at a time. Just like the kings of old who would try to make themselves immune to a poison by ingesting small amounts of it over a great period of time. 
The thought is that once I reach a certain level of the enzyme, that level would be the new equilibrium. If one part of my body fell out of balance, the rest of the body would have to work together to fix the balance. So the whole body would work in unison. All the parts would come together. But what if they were removed and uh, separated? Well, they would have to be in proximity to heal. Making this happen was more simple than you might think. For this, I took another page from the addict's book. Did you know that an addict is more likely to overdose in an unfamiliar place? They build routines where they, um, partake the most. So every time I would dose myself with the enzyme, I went to one particular little bunker that I had constructed in the Canadian wilderness. I traveled all around the world only to travel back to this bunker from every direction so that my pieces would know where to return. At this point, I knew how to heal my pieces. I knew how to get them in the same place. I knew where that place would be. I just needed to figure out how to put them back together. So this is where I explain the blood. Blood is life. It shuttles oxygen around the body. It carries nutrients to every cell. It allows the body to grow and heal and thrive. Cells don't just divide. They need the necessary chemicals to continue doing just that. And it's blood that supplies these chemicals. Of course, if I were to be completely disassembled, reassembled onto others, disassembled again, and then reassembled into myself, I would need a lot of blood. And that blood would need to be oxygenated and fresh. So, I worked up a little system in my bunker that would cold store vast amounts of it, then release it into a swirling, oxygen-rich pool when the time came. Finally, all the parts would be immersed in the pool where the reassembly would take place. But for this final step, I couldn't rely on doctors. This was beyond their means. This is where I would need the help of those in other realms. I figured the enzyme I had created, with its desire to reassemble and reach equilibrium, would be enough to communicate what needed to happen to these beings. But contacting them, letting them know when this needed to happen was another matter altogether. Without dragging on too much, I was able to figure out a way to use symbols, sigils, glyphs, and runes to make this happen. They just needed to be activated. Fortunately, a gathering of people and the right place at the same time would have this effect. And these people would be carrying my pieces, gathering themselves and my being. 
Now, using mind control magic and chemicals to gather these people together was one thing. But getting them to chop each other apart in just the right way was another. I can only exercise so much control from beyond the grave after all. For this, I was almost at a loss. Until I realized that some people would do just about anything for money. This is where my lawyer came in. Not only was he to handle the legal affairs upon my demise, he would then make the initial preparations for the reassembly and would be the one to carry out the final disassembly. All for a fee that was negotiated pre-mortem, but paid post-Renaissance. The final hurdle would be getting my brain back if medical science hadn't advanced enough to be able to use all of those tissues. For this, I decided the best way would be for my hands to go to a single scientist or physician that wanted to study my brain. That way, it would be my own hands taking care of and transporting the very thing where my me resides. I must say, my lawyer is really good at making sure my wishes were carried out. He was able to organize a little accident uh, for a prominent neuropsychologist around the time of my death. This neuropsychologist wouldn't need a pre-existing desire to study my brain, though. They would just need the knowledge to do so. The enzyme would take care of the rest. Okay, so this last individual may have had to suffer a little bit for my sake. But I would make it worth their while. Once my hands were removed from their vessel during the gathering of my pieces, I would have plenty of spare parts to replace that which they had lost. I would need some help getting back to my life so another person would be absolutely critical here. And as payment for these services, I would give this neuropsychologist the knowledge and means to follow suit with myself. Now, you may be wondering why I would tell you all of this. The answer is quite simple. As I've already stated, I do fear that I have a reputation. I have already gathered my pieces once and will do it again. Judge me if you will, but I can't go back to the other side. I've been there once already, and I absolutely refuse to go back. I will hold off as long as there are pieces to gather and those to gather them. And if you are so unfortunate as to suffer circumstances that may bring you close to the other side, you may benefit from the giving of myself. My parts might give you some more time to enjoy this world.
I do think that Dr. Frankenstein would have a lot to talk about with Dr. Edwards here. After all, they are both doctors, and both collectors of sorts. Thanks once again for joining us. Please remember to share this show with your friends and family. The next episode should be posted in about two weeks' time. Thank you for your patience as we juggle another season of The Hidden Archives with the other responsibilities of our more mundane lives. There are many more stories from The Hidden Archives that have yet to be shared. We hope that you join us next time for another Glimpse Within. This has been a production of the Rhodes Collaborative Experience, LLC. Please no reproduction, duplication, or bastardization of any content without written consent from RCX or its partners. Ex animo, ex tempus, in archivum.